folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, presented by Scout Logistics. Matthew Collar here, and from Pro Football Focus, Seth Galina, the X's and O's genius, along with uh, covers college football as well. Unfortunately, not in front of his 1980s paneling anymore. What is up, Seth? I'm a I'm a I'm a grown ass man now. I can't be living at my mom's house anymore. So here we go. Uh, no more wood paneling, which I know ruins uh, all my credibility uh, in, in anything in my life, not just football related. So if you want to cut the interview off right now, like that's fine with me. Yeah. I'll go back uh, and, to bed. Like, and, I, cool. and I considered it. I considered it, but I think <laughs> we'll have to move on. So is this, uh, are you an apartment guy now or is, is this a house? I'm an apartment guy. Okay, you're an apartment guy now. All right, one step at a time, one step at a time. But I don't know how without the 80s paneling you'll get dates to bring back to the apartment and things like that. But. Oh, you, you, you think I was getting dates back to my mom's <laughs> house? Okay, we're we going to have to have a talk about that. I've seen the level of detail of your film work. I did not assume you were getting dates. Um, so uh, anyway, <laughs> the reason that I wanted to connect with you, Seth, was that a few months ago you and I were talking about quarterback back play and we were discussing Kirk Cousins and, and the draft and things like that and we talked about how you know players like Trey Lance and Justin Fields they should be put in Shanahan style and Kubiak style offenses because normally it's been this way to sort of cover up for the lack of athletic ability of your quarterback like Kirk Cousins and like Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff and so forth and I found it fascinating that on draft night, Rick Spielman said that the Vikings offensive staff agreed with you and said that they'd love to see a little more mobility in this type of offense, which was a little bit of a, a backslap to Kirk Cousins. But I, let's talk about that just sort of broadly so people don't have to go back and find what we were talking about months ago. Um, wh- why is it your opinion that mobility can enhance a Shanahan or, or Kubiak style offense? I, I would say it's just in general, it can enhance an offense and for two reasons. And it's obviously something that the, the, the Vikings have just lacked with Kirk Cousins. Uh, and I guess with Bradford before that too, is the first thing is escapability. You absolutely need it in the NFL right now where defenses have become so exotic with how they're going to pressure you. You're not even the best guys uh, aren't going to be right 
in terms of how they set the protection, how they protect themselves, knowing who's hot, uh, and all that stuff that goes into playing quarterback before you even snap the football. So you're going to get times when you're, you're going to have to be an athlete and you can't just stick in the pocket and, and like just find your check down. Like that, that doesn't really exist anymore as much as it did, uh, even 10, 15 years ago. So you need that athletic ability to, even if I'm wrong, pre-snap, I can still be right post-snap. And that comes with, yeah, you can be an unbelievable mental processor like Manning and Breeze and whatever. Um, those guys are fake. Like, don't expect these guys to just exist in the NFL. There's been, there's been like 20 of them in the history of the league. So don't even think about those guys. So if I'm, so like, I can be, I can, I want to have a guy now who, if something is wrong, I'll make it right with my legs or, or with, or with my body or something like that. Um, and I, and I, and I think that's just the wave of the future, especially with the lack of practice time with the new CBA. You don't, and, and just the fact that, look, you get drafted. And I know that obviously the, the Vikings didn't make a, a first round quarterback session. They did later, but if you get drafted early, so you have, you're playing. Like, you're not sitting on the bench anymore. So you don't have time to figure out everything you need to know about protections and all that stuff. Like, you, you're, gonna, it's the, you're, you're thrown to the fire. You're going to be wrong more often than you're right. And you got to be able to still make a play. So that's the first aspect. And the second aspect is just like, hey, you know, we're, we, we spent a lot of time when I was growing up, when you were growing up, talking about the triple option in the NFL and being like, hey, it'll never work, guys. They're too fast. Everyone's too fast on defense. And then, like, it works. We've seen that for the past 10 years. It, it works. The zone read came in, and it hasn't left us. And now, and then you see with, you know, the, um, the Kaepernick 49ers teams, they were running a lot more than that. And you'll see with Cam Newton and, and some other guys, they're running a lot more than that. So I think that's the next step is just being able to add those running plays to your offense to even out the numbers um, disadvantage that offenses have when, when an NFL quarterback is just handing the ball off, handing the ball off, handing the ball off. Now they can, they, can, they can neutralize those numbers and create an advantage in the running game. So I think those are the two reasons why um, mobility is important, A, for the escape, and B, because we were wrong, and it turns out you can have a mobile quarterback running option-type concepts in the NFL. So something interesting that I discovered from the PFF numbers is that um, when Kirk Cousins is pressured, 17% of the time last year that turned into a sack, which is a very high number. Ben Roethlisberger and Patrick Mahomes, it was under 10%. So they, they were still getting off throws even when there was pressure in their face, whereas with Kirk Cousins, if he's wrong, like you said, and pressure gets through – I mean, one out of every five times, that's turning into a sack. And if you look at expected points added from sacks, sometimes they're worse than interceptions. And you know, Cousins and the Vikings had one of the highest sack rates in the NFL last year. And I guess I was going to ask you if, if offensive line can solve all of these problems, offensive line talent, because another part of it is Cousins was responsible for 15% of his own pressure. And I don't think that that's a thing that's going to change. Uh, even though that they drafted offensive line, PFF had the Vikings as top three most improved offensive lines from last year. I agree with that. Adding Wyatt Davis, I think, is a huge deal for them. And at the same time, it's like this this only mitigates some percentage of the problem of having a true statue quarterback. Well, I'm hoping that 
as, as a not a Vikings fan, but I'm a Kirk Cousins fan, and uh, I'm hoping that it mitigates it enough for a year. And I don't know if it's next year. I don't know if it's the year after. I don't know if it's the year after that. But I think there, you know, we talk about this with Cousins all the time, where there's 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 a universe out there where for one season everything goes right, and they they he wins the MVP, they go to the NFC Championship game, they go to the Super Bowl, whatever it may be, and 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 I still I still believe that I'm going to hold on to that for a long time. I think a lot of that has to do with the way I I like to look at quarterbacks, and and Kirk is a very technically gifted quarterback. Um, obviously, not a lot of physical traits, but the, the technique is there; it's perfect. So, anyways, um, one of the things that I looked up before we started talking was specifically, obviously the Vikings have had a bad offensive line in, in his time there. They got better with Darisaw, great pick, trading back, still getting probably the third best tackle on the, on, on everyone's board. And then uh, taking Wyatt Davis in the third round, who is probably not a third. It was a third round? Yeah, third round. Yeah, yep. so he's probably not a third-round player. There was just a lot of issues with – you know, was it him? Was it the Ohio State, you know, offensive line with miscommunication and stuff like that? He, he'll, if he gets his hands on you, you're good. Like he's a he's a very good player. Um, so I think those are two great picks. And then so, anyways, w- w- one of the things I looked up was like specifically who is what, where is pressure coming? And the Vikings guards and centers are the the. It's like <laughs> it's like no one even close to how bad it, they've been. And so now you have a situation where he's not like the tallest quarterback in the world. He's not a player like you talk about Ben Roethlisberger who can who can have a body near him and still get a still get a nice nice ball off. Um, I thought Trey Lance did a good job of that. Justin Fields, like in terms of this class, Justin Fields is good. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence does a good job of that. But that's not Kirk, right? So he, I think he, he can live in a world where <clears throat> excuse me, where maybe the tackles aren't amazing and they just kind of average and get the job done, though I guess they're probably below average. With, with, with Darasaw, hopefully that, that, that climbs him back to average. But, I, but it's the interior pressure that he's just not the quarterback that can live in that world. And then the next thing is you would think just, you know, and, I, and I'm sure the people who listen to this podcast know this, but it was something that, that I came across that I, that I felt like an idiot not knowing but you would think that that, and this is maybe a, like a racial bias thing. But you would think that Cousins, he gets the ball out quick, he distributes the ball, he has a pretty high time to throw. Yep. And I think a lot of that has to do with his unwillingness to, or we we kind of talked about this last time, but like his 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 need for everything to be perfect. And then so it's, if it's not perfect, now he's holding on to the football, and that just doesn't nothing. None of that works together uh, with the offensive line and the, the the quarterback. That's just not a good combination. So yeah, that that's where I'm like hoping, and I think with Wyatt Davis, with Christian Darasaw, that it just just creeping back up to average will help a bit so that if he does take some more time in the pocket, all of a sudden the pocket is cleaner than it was in years past. Like I said, especially from the inside. Um, I think Bradbury is going to have to take a jump. I don't know who the other guard is. Um, if you're going to have Darisaw and Cleveland on the outside, young players, but like you know, good, I would hope good players for them. And I think that is where, and again, I say this all the time, like that is where you're going to have that universe where, Kirk Cousins is, is 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 a true MVP caliber quarterback um, because you know the scheme is there, 
with the Kubi, with, you know, the Kubiak Shanahan system, it's there. It creates open throws for him. The running game has been dominant. You know, you're hoping the defense can figure out something next year, and they just need that offensive line, which they they addressed. They got to a certain degree. They they got lucky replacing Diggs with Jefferson. You know, they could have replaced Diggs with Jalen Rager by accident, and then <laughs> we would have had issues. They clearly got lucky picking the right picking the right receiver. Um, so I think everything is there for him. It just it's just he he's got to be just like like ten percent less Kirk Cousinsy, and, and again, the stuff around him will help him, and I think that you know Davis and Darisol will help will help allow him to be ten percent less Chris, uh, Kirk Cousinsy. I I agree uh, that they will help him. I don't know if they could take away the ten percent that causes all the problems. I mean, <laughs> I I think that you super effectively, especially for someone who's asked to come on podcasts all over the league, diagnosed every one of the issues with why Kirk Cousins is a five hundred quarterback over his career and hasn't gotten that season where they're in the NFC championship despite playing in good teams in Washington, yeah. good teams here, is that you play a game you play a game like the playoff game in San Francisco, and I was there for that and when you have a guy who locks himself into one place in the pocket, it's not just lack of running. It's lack of moving at all. And that 50% number that you bring up, or maybe that's the number that I had in my head, for how much pressure came from just the guard position, um, it was outrageous how much came from just the guard and the center position. But also when the guy stands in the same exact spot and never, ever moves, it's like it's a little easier for the tackles to run their guy by because they know where the quarterback will be. But it's harder for the guards because he's never going to slide himself one way or the other and that's what I find so fascinating about Kirk Cousins when you're covering him from sort of an objective like let's put all the black and white kind of out there and you can find so many things that are really good and then those other things that I think are just the difference between a good quarterback and a great quarterback. And so, yes, they've added Wyatt Davis. I gave the pick an A+. Plus. I thought yeah, this was their best pick in years, I think, uh, aside from Justin Jefferson. And yet at the same time, I still have some skepticism because you can sort of talk yourself right back out of it. Like their offense will still focus on the run, which will still put them in second and long and third and long. They still don't have a number three wide receiver who is reliable and that may change in free agency, but there aren't many free agents left. And, and uh, you know, Amir Smith-Marset is a fifth rounder. So I'm not writing him in as a huge difference people, maker. People love him. Let me tell you. It's a little I, odd. I, haven't wa- I didn't watch him, so I can't I say it's anything. a little I odd. People love him. It's a little odd. It's a fifth round. He's a fifth round pick. I mean, I, I agree. Like I'm not saying anything. I agree. He weighs 180 pounds, and he's a fifth round pick. So like, let's see week three of pads, and then I'll say that I'm that I'm in. But uh, you know, with with Stefan Diggs, his first training camp, it was very clear that the whole league made a mistake, and maybe that'll be the the case for Smith Marset. But until then, you can't really say, okay, this guy is the guy. Um, but I, I just think that with Cousins, and I know that you've had this take and that you really love his game, the reason that they drafted someone else is that 10% that you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I want to know what you see from Kellen Mond, because clearly they felt like that 10% is the downfall for why they can't get to the next level from being a good team to a really good team, and that someone with more mobility and arm strength would be able to do that. Okay, before we get into Kellamon, let me – I just pulled up the numbers for pass protection from guards and centers, okay? So the, this is the th- past three regular 
seasons combined. This is cumulative pass block grade by guards and centers. The Browns are number one at 90.4. Okay. Let me scroll down. Let me scroll down. I'm still scrolling. I'm still scrolling. Number 32, the Minnesota Vikings, 43.7. My God. And then and the, the 31st, the 31st team, the Seahawks is 54.3. So like, there's even a jump. There's even a big gap between 31 and 32. I mean, a pressure rate just from the guards and tackles is is 20. percent It's the highest in the league. Uh, yeah, it's this is like as bad as a, of a group that we've seen. Now, okay, again, we're going to come on. I was curious about um, Bradbury. I heard, I, I want to say uh, PFF Steve Palazzolo talk about, it might have been Sam Watson talk about how, you know, with better guards around Bradbury, you could see a better player or is it, or is it, or is his problem just like, man, he, he, he just can't be, he can't, he can't block people. Like what's his problem? I, don't, I haven't watched enough. Yeah, I'll say both. I'm going to say okay. it's a combination of the. Well, think about this. So you just gave the, the grades, and that is not shocking to me at all, or Vikings fans <laughs> at all. We've watched. Look, I mean, it was it was a crime to play Dakota Dozier for 16 games. You just can't do that. You cannot choose to play that player. Uh, there was another reporter I had on who covered him in a different place who was like, that guy started for your team? I'm like, no, not just started, but like from the very beginning. Like they elected to start that player. And no offense to him, he's an NFL player and deserves respect as a backup. <laughs> uh, but um, anyway, so um, on Garrett Bradbury, I think that when you draft someone, now his weight will tell you 305 pounds from the combine. That's just not true. There's no chance in this world that he weighs 300 pounds. I would guess he's more like 285. And so when you're facing Kenny Clark, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, like these big beasts who weigh 325, 330 and more, he's, he just doesn't have the arm length for that. He doesn't have the anchoring ability for that. And these guys just plow him back in the quarterback several times a game. And like I said, I mean, you don't have a quarterback who's even going to drift back away from that. He's just going to stand right there in that same spot. So that sort of, uh, you know, compounds the issue. The other part though is, it's not just that the guards couldn't pass block one-on-one. It's that last year there were communication issues all over the place. Like uh, about midway through the season, opponents figured out if we actually do all our stunts and twists with a linebacker Dude. coming up the Dude. middle, it's just over. I, this was not, this is, I, I watched the play last night of uh, a stunt and there wasn't a linebacker involved. I wish I could tell you what team. It was the weirdest thing because there's, there's, the, the Vikings are sliding, meaning the center, the guard, and the tackle are going, working in the direction of, of the two defensive players, defensive linemen who are stunting. And the, the defensive end loops around to get inside of the guard. And Bradbury just doesn't – is just like – I guess he's just too too slow mentally or too slow physically just to get in a, his body in a position. Okay, let me – I just pulled up – not just the cumulative grades from the past three seasons. Looking at the last three regular seasons, um, there's been 96 team seasons, so 32 times three. The 95th place team, the 2019 Miami Dolphins, at 45.1. That's guards and centers pass block grade. The third, the 96th team, of course, you know what I'm just about to say, the 2020 Minnesota Vikings, over 10 points lower 
than the 95th place. Like, anyways, it's, I, can, I can find a million of these type of stats. It, it just plays into exactly what we're talking about, which is this guard play and center play has been absolutely atrocious. And you're hoping that with Davis, another year of development from Bradbury, you're just hoping that it, that it, that it, that it eliminates something that, that is the issue for Kirk Cousins. Kellen Mond. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ezra Cleveland is yeah. probably going to be the other guard, by the way. Um, okay. The, okay. Okay. Yeah. Fine. That, so, that makes sense. Because Brian O'Neill's going to be at right tackle. Darius saw at left tackle. But these numbers that you're giving, it's, I have always said, hey, I mean, there's got to be some way to get closer to an average offensive line. Like Tampa Bay by PFF ranked 14th last year. Like, can you get in that range? And that will help your quarterback. This is, this is not like, don't even get there. Get to 20. Yeah, oh my God! Yeah, somewhat right, and um, now, but that's the a little bit of the problem though, because you mentioned Bradbury and those stunts and those twists, and everybody figured out that they're just not good at diagnosing them, and so here's Wyatt Davis. And the one criticism that I read in the PFF, yeah, yeah right, like the uh, the the breakdown there in the draft guide is oh struggles with some of the you know stunts and twists and knowing where to be, and so it's like this is my question is sort of. Uh, I think it's going to be the irony of all ironies is when this line really comes to fruition in a year or two years with Derisaw and Davis, and maybe Bradbury continues to improve a bit and you have the, you know, the tackle set and Cleveland is in his second or third year. It's going to be good, but I don't know if it could be good next year to the point where it's going to be vastly different than it was last year. Um, but the decisions they've made are so astounding. I mean, they played Drew Samia for three games. I've never seen anyone worse. I, I, I mean, I go, you're a film junkie. Please watch the game against Seattle with Drew Samia. I'm where good. He go, I'm good, thanks. Where he don't, goes don't, all the way on a screen. It was a screen <laughs> lefty. Right, I'm not kidding. That happened. That happened. <laughs> you don't hate yourself. Fair enough. Okay, so let's, let's talk Kellen Mond, though. Yeah, Kellen, I think, uh, is a guy that, you know, I put him as my QB5. It's a bit of you feel for the guy because he, he wasn't in a great situation at Texas A&M. I think the offensive line was it was okay. It was okay. It certainly wasn't Alabama's offensive line. It certainly wasn't uh, BYU's offensive line. The receiving core, I don't know who's who's an NFLer on that receiving core. And the one guy, I forgot his name now, but the one guy um, – who was their best receiver was out for most of last season. If he injured himself in the Florida game, tight ends. All right. Watermeyer is pretty good. And then, then there was one game where he just gets locked down by LSU and they have no answers for it. So like that, the, the surrounding cast is just, just not good there. Jimbo Fisher's offense is more difficult than a lot of offenses of the quarterbacks that we saw come out this year. You saw, you know, uh, Zach Wilson only throw, to the sideline against group of five DBs. Like, all right, cool, fine. But you're not, that's not, I'm not, I, I can't glean anything from that. With Mond, you saw a difficult offense, routes coming over the middle of the field, in breaking routes, 90 degrees, backside digs, all those kind of fun stuff. You know, when we talk about quarterbacks, but they're more difficult stuff. You know, the second we start talking about uh, reads over the middle of the field, now you have to start throwing with some touch, with some timing, and all that stuff. So it was a tough situation for him. But the film is not great. <laughs> like at the end of the day, you know, he's a little robotic. And I think Justin Fields got that tag as well. 
Like he always wants to do the right thing. Go through his progressions, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. And sometimes you got to shortcut yourself because you, you, you have no, there's like sometimes you got to see something pre-snap or even post-snap and it tells you these two routes, I got to eliminate them right away. Or this route, I got to eliminate it right now. I got to get to another route. I got to get to the check down. I got to do this, I got to do that. The thing with Justin Fields is he is freaking uber talented, right? So he can get away with a lot of that stuff. And Kellen Mond could not in a lot of ways. So he ends up, you know, making some mistakes, throwing into coverage, saw that just, just too much times, you know, uh, you saw just him throwing behind receivers just happen. It's just a, like, you're like, Oh, you, 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 you get it. Like I'm like, Kellen, you get it, but just stop throwing behind the damn receiver so much. Um, so that, that's really my concerns with Mont. Obviously arm strength is there. You can, you know, we talked about being able to have that running ability in both ways. I think he can escape and I think he can, you can also create some design runs for him. I'm pretty sure, you know, I could leave this up next time. We, uh, I have a second here, but like, I'm pretty sure he was like top 10 in or top 15 in the NCAA last year in terms of like non-scrambled running yards, rushing yards. So like you can do some stuff with him. And I always wondered this. I'm like, hey, what if you put Kellen Mond in Tuscaloosa last year? Like, what does it look like when he has a clean pocket every single time? When Sark is creating these unbelievably wide open receivers, plus those receivers are first round players. Like, what does that look like? It's weird because, you know, the accuracy concerns are, 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 just a tad too much, you know what I mean? But does he make the same read mistakes that he does if everyone's wide open all the time? Like, I don't know. So I think there's there's a lot to like about Kellen Mond. You just have to you have to live in a world where where the supporting cast is really making that big of a difference on him. And I don't, I'm not sure if it is. Um, and that's why he's a third third round, fourth round, third round. Third round, and that's why he's a third round pick because the talent, you know, he must have been a four or five star recruit. Um, started a bunch of years, uh, comes out of a quote unquote pro style offense with Jimbo Fisher. So I think there's a lot to like, but you just have to really think that the supporting cast was that bad. And, and like I said, if you if you put him in the Alabama offense, if you can picture him in the Alabama offense doing what Mac Jones did, then this is a, this is a great great third round pick. Folks, the football offseason is off and rolling, and SodaStick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. Some of my favorite football designs that you have to check out include the Chuck Foreman Spin Doctor gear. You can commemorate Randy Moss's disgusting act on a shirt or a hoodie. And if you're old school, check out the Purple People Eaters design as well. Go to SodaStick.com and check them all out. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your Minnesota sports-inspired gear. All of their apparel is screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Plus, keep your eyes and ears out for our giveaways going on on this show as well on social media. Follow them at SodaStickCo on Twitter and at SodaStick.com for your original Minnesota sports inspired goods. Code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Hey everyone, anybody who listens to the show knows that Sam and I may not be scratch golfers, but we love to have a great time playing golf. And that's why we have partnered with Birdie Golf in Woodbury. 
Birdie Golf is hands down the best indoor golf experience you will ever have. There are eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and luckily for us, never lose a ball. But it's not just for hardcore golfers. Birdie Golf is for everyone. Bring the family, play arcade style games while dining on great food in an upscale and comfortable environment. They have private bays for social distancing, a luxury lounge for private events, outdoor patio, and scratch kitchen. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights and the best boneless wings in the metro. Make golf a night out or the place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro, and at birdiegolf.com, or you could call 651-998-2200 today. I'll see you there. I just, uh, I never know what to do with that. Like, do I want to crush Mac Jones for that? And I was not, the thing about this, uh, the show in the last few days is I was very much, if San Francisco picks Mac Jones, I'm going to just have a meltdown. And they didn't. And they went with the much more talented yeah. quarterback. But then I got to a point where it's like, wait, Bill Belichick picked Mac Jones right after the Vikings. So... I'm not saying he's right about everything, but it's like the league clearly valued these two quarterbacks far differently. So they, I, I think that they are well aware of supporting casts and things like this. And every scouting staff in the league said, or that needed any type of quarterback said, no, Mac Jones is a middle first round pick, which makes sense. And Kellen Mond is a third round pick, which makes sense. And kind of is where they, they, they were throughout the entire process. I think for anyone who wasn't trying to, say they had sources that said Mac Jones was going to be the next Montana or whatever. Right. And, and so I feel like that difference in, you called it robotic, but I look at it as a little bit like sometimes you, you sort of want to like smack the side of the computer and be like, come on, come on, go. Yes. You, yes. Gotta, you know, you got to go. And uh, there's also like a fastball and another fastball. And there isn't like a, like a change up or a slider, but you know, it's like, so when I watched Teddy Bridgewater play at Louisville, I remember just feeling like this guy looks weird playing the position, but he looks like such a football player, like a guy who played backyard football when he was four years old and then just, you know, kind of figures it out sometimes and has this anticipation. I I just don't see that like natural football player from Kellen Mond, where even with Mac Jones, it's like very natural quarterback type of things. That's because of the the way he's, he's like almost like, his elbows are high and his shoulders are high. I'm talking about Kellen Mond. Like yeah, I meant, look, I, meant Mac, look, I meant Mac Jones. Sorry, I said yeah, Kellen Mond twice. I meant Kellen Mond doesn't look the part sometimes, yeah. whereas I agree. Mac Jones just looks like a flu player. Teddy, don't get me started on Teddy, man. Teddy could choose to be the best quarterback in the league if he wanted to. This is never going to happen. Whatever. Wait, wait, wait. Teddy. Explain that. What does that mean? Well, I just feel like he, he's, he's technically he's super sound. He throws with great touch. He can get the ball up and down. He just has to trust himself a little more and throw the damn ball down the field, Teddy. Like, take a chance once in a while. And, and you know, one of the problems is, and, and was so perfectly contrasted in 2019 in, with the Saints, they both, both him and Breeze, you know, late career Breeze and, and Teddy at that point were throwing the ball short, right? You know, low average depth of target. The pr- difference was... Breeze can consistently hit guys on the money. And Teddy is very accurate, but he's not that accurate. So it's like you have to offset that by 
chucking it a bit more and trying to create explosive plays because if you're only throwing slant, 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 but you're missing three out of the five, you're missing three out of six, you're not going anywhere on offense. Where Breeze is hitting six out of six, and you can live in a world where this was the thing with the Saints. They lived in a world for the last three seasons, four seasons, where there was no negatives. So even in the run game, there were at one point I looked this up during the season, maybe around week 10 or 11, so I might have changed, but they were their running game produced the least amount of negative plays. So now it's instead of it being second and 12, it's second and eight. And instead of it being third and eight, it's sec, it's third and six, third and five, third and four. And then you compound that with Drew Brees being a player who could consistently convert third and four is that no one can. Like, again, we talk about these fake quarterbacks. Like, there's a lot of fake quarterbacks out there. Drew Brees is one of them. No one can just convert third and fours like he did. You know, like like Manning could, like like Brady could. So you have to. So don't put yourself in those third down situations. And again, going back to Teddy, it's like chuck the ball downfield, see if you can get explosive plays that way. Instead of being trying to be kind of like Drew Brees and and then just not having the technical skills to do it or the, the accuracy to do it. So that's kind of my 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 Bridgewater spiel. In that, like, hey, you could be the best if you want it to be. Uh, but but I don't know if that'll ever happen. I, I also wonder with Teddy, like so he started off in Minnesota with a cor- or with a coach that wants you to play conservative. I mean, that was running Adrian Peterson more than anyone in the league that year. And it was like, don't turn it over. We have a great defense. And that won them a lot of games. So he started out from winning an NFC North title playing that way. And then the knee injury happens. And I think that it, that was the opinion of Vikings fans and reporters was that in 2016 training camp and preseason, he had started to show that. And then the knee injury comes. And then there still seems to be, even when he was in Minnesota last year for Carolina, and they almost won that game against the Vikings, but there was still a little bit of hesitancy in his game. And I wonder if that is, if it's because of like how he came up or if it's because of like the knee thing still sort of rests over him. Um, It'll be interesting to see him back with Pat Shermer though. Those two, I think got along pretty well when he was in Minnesota. So if he gets to play for Denver and they don't trade for Aaron Rodgers, but um, we, we uh, sidetracked away from (laughs) Kellen Mond here. Um, So let's, let's circle back to that. And so you mentioned, you know, the offense, the supporting cast, I do feel like for the next quarterback, if there will be one beyond Kirk cousins, you get to inherit an offensive line of all top draft picks, Justin Jefferson, now it'll be late career Adam Thielen, but still good. He doesn't rely on just pure speed, so he'll be good for a long time. I mean, it's a it is a great situation if Kellen Mond can fix some of those things that you're talking about. I just don't know that he can. I, I just don't know that he can change from being this sort of robotic quarterback to being a natural type of baller. But the situation and the offense where you get a lot of rollouts, a lot of open wide receivers, it it really looks good for quarterbacks to the point where, you know, Case Keenum in a similar type of offense went 13 and three once. And I think that this is part of their thinking of why they would go with Kellen Mond and not pick Mac Jones in the first. Well, I also think like they, do you think that they believe enough like I do in Kirk Cousins that you wouldn't take a, a first round quarterback? No, no, I don't. No, I oh, don't. You don't? I, th- okay. I think they're done with Kirk Cousins, honestly, oh, okay. because, because they tried to, they tried to get Justin Fields. So that to me says that the only reason they didn't go with Mac Jones is because they didn't like his lack of mobility because he looks at least has that similarity with, um, you know, with, with Kirk Cousins. And so I think that there, if they had no interest whatsoever in Justin Fields, then I would have said, 
well, they're kind of playing it by ear here. But I think when you want Justin Fields and you try to trade up for him and get beat out by Chicago and they end up with him, that to me says they went into this draft with the goal of coming out with a quarterback. And once they couldn't get Fields, their next guy was Mond and they got value on him. Yeah, and I think that that would be a good situation because I think after Mond, I don't like any of those quarterbacks after Mond, right? Like my team took Ian Book, and I'm still beside myself. I cannot believe that they would take, especially that high. Then you have like Ellinger, you don't know enough about him. You have some other guys I don't know. Um, Are you yeah, so I think by its cover? Oh my God! Yes. No, no. I'm not judging. I am not. Trust me, I'm not judging a book by its cover. I have watched Ian Book play. There's no bueno. Um, Are you saying he has trouble who, with his reads? <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to talk about Ian Book. Okay, it makes me mad because I don't understand how the, I don't understand how the Saints are evaluating quarterback. First of all, first of all, clearly, you know, they talk a big game about Jameis and Taysom. We have our guys. They're in the room. Don't worry about it, guys. And it's like, guess what? You tried to trade up for whoever, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, whatever. You tried to trade up for just like the Vikings. And then you, and then you said, oh, my God, we're still screwed. Let's take Ian Book, who, who had one of the best situations in college football the last three years, playing behind that unbelievable offensive line. Uh, Brian Kelly, you know, creates a good offense for him. Tommy Reese there too, like such a good situation. And he couldn't do anything with it. He had like three good games in his whole career. One of them happened to be on national TV against, uh, against a backup, you know, Clemson team, but I digress. Well, let's see. Uh, Will, uh, I'm going to go for my biggest reach yet. And then we can get back to talking about what we're talking okay. about. Is, uh, will Ian Book wear sleeves? You know, the book has a sleeve. Okay. No, uh, no, I don't think so. Come on. How do I get up? How do I get up? How do I close yeah, the Zoom? Exit out. I don't even blame you. Check, blame. This is this is for the paneling, not being in the background. Though. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, so Mon, yeah, that's why Mon is such a good pick because uh, you you see something in him. And again, you go back to, okay, well, what if you, we gave him the supporting cast that we, we think we're going to have uh, in the next couple of years in Minnesota? Like you said, a third wide receiver, that'll come. That could come. Um, you kind of get lucky with those guys, I think. Um, and then other than that, you, the offensive line should be really good. It's very young now, so it should be pretty good in a few years if these guys hit. And, again, like, you know, that's why that trade back to still take the tackle that you want and then get a guard. Okay, is um, – Wyatt Davis as good as we think Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be? Probably not. I mean, that's why they get picked two rounds apart. That's why Vera Tucker is the first guard off the board and, and a top 15 guard. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but whatever. But at the same time, you 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 added a pick, right? You added a pick, and you still got Christian Darisaw. Like, that's crazy. I, I'm not, like, the biggest Christian Darisaw fan, um, but I think he'd come in there and be, he'll start right away. And he'll – and He's one of those guys who I think he'll grow with some better technical coaching. And I think, um, again, he's big and strong, gets his paws off you, and he, he stops you. And this is, this is what we want, right? We want an offensive line. So anyways, yeah, I, I think it's, it's definitely a look toward the future with the Mon pick at probably a good round for him. And you're 
there's just, and like I said, there's just no one else available. I think uh, even later on in the draft who fits anything that you want your quarterback to be that Mon doesn't. So I think, yeah, I think this was a great, first of all, I think overall a pretty good draft from the Vikings, um, you know, borderline, borderline excellent. And if that's, if Mond is, is that guy, I think they could, there's some stuff you can do with him. Um, but I think, you know, to answer your question about can you be less robotic, tough. Can you be more accurate? It's tough, man. Tough to like change who you are this late in your, in your, in your quarterback career. He's thrown, you know, a million passes in his life. That, that, that again is just my one concern with him, but Hey, maybe you get, what I'm saying about Kirk Cousins, where you put him in a universe where everything is perfect for one season, and and he has obviously more physical tools than Kirk, so maybe maybe that pushes the envelope a little further along. So yeah, that that that's kind of my what I think about uh, Mond and then. Hey everyone, I want to tell you about our friends at Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I want to tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly... Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So, if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855 877-2688 extension 232 to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. Yeah, my take on the entire situation with how they handled the quarterback in this draft it's it's like really nuanced it's like well if the league valued mac jones much higher than kellen mond then that just but it just means the odds are much higher that mac jones is going to succeed than kellen mond just by where they were picked and the fact that all the scouting staffs looked at it and viewed it this way that usually first round quarterbacks change franchises not third round quarterbacks and that that i mean that's just facts of how this works and if you wanted to move on from kirk just tell him you want to move on don't text with the girl just go cheat on your your girlfriend or whatever right like don't just great advice right perfect yeah (laughs) okay break up i mean uh you know you know what i mean though like don't 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 just text with somebody like break up with you if if you want to be with someone else right so that whole thing of sort of playing this well hey kirk yeah, we did think we maybe got your replacement, but still go out there and win for us next year. Um, a lot of teams have tried this, and I don't know that it works. Like, did Davis Webb or Kyle Laletta, did they, you know, push Eli Manning or take Eli Manning's jobs? Like, not you usually yeah. have to go all in or not. And even with Jalen Hurts, it was sort of like this half measure of we don't, you know, we're not really sure we're getting rid of Carson Wentz, but we might be. So we're, you know, that that whole thing. So it's a, it's a very nuanced kind of thing. But at the end of the day. If if the Mac Jones situation had never happened, I think I would have been saying this is a great idea to go with Kellen Mond because of his skill set, because of the potential upside and how he could fit. Um, just one one more thing. Did you like anybody else from their draft? And and I I'm sorry if I'm making you memorize their entire draft. <laughs> I don't You're talking mean, as I, I don't mean uh, to be doing that. I know that's hard. That's like um, as just I sort of a random here. question at the end. But um, um, like you mentioned, some people really really love Smith Marset, and I'm sort of eh, I yeah. Know. Like I said, I, I didn't I didn't um, 
I didn't watch him. Uh, like people really liked him. And then with, with a lot of these receivers, what you're hoping, what you're praying for is, and Smith Marset is such a good example of that. The quarterback played Iowa is abysmal. You know, you were, you know, that, that's kind of like you look at Jalen, we brought him up earlier. We look at Jalen Rager. The quarterback played TCU that year was abysmal. And you're just hoping that they're actually getting open, but they're not getting the ball. And that's kind of clouding our judgment. Now, you're supposed to be able to look at them in a vacuum and say, this is a good receiver, this is not a good receiver, whether or not the ball gets to them. But that's hard. That's not like that. We, there's a lot of human biases there. So, like, that's hard to do. So, I think that's one of the things you're hoping for with. With uh, with a player like you buy uh, that Smith though Marset. you buy that I never bought that like Larry Fitzgerald was catching 120 passes from like uh, you know no Ryan. I I'm pretty, I've never I, bought I, that. I skew I skew towards production matters for receivers um like you like if you're good you'll get the ball you'll they'll find a way to get the ball and and if you're especially in college like you should be making plays um even with it, it, relatively inaccurate balls. Right, I think you should still be able to make plays. Uh, the other guy is the, the, the weird pick was the running back from Iowa State, who's not, who's just a, I think he's a speed guy, right? Like mm-hmm. pure speed, not a running back. Three Archer, he's three Archer. So find find a place for put. Did these guys ever pan out? No, not usually. But come on, maybe come on. special teams. Do you remember Dre Archer? Vaguely, small oh, guy, man. right? If you played a ton of Madden, you would have picked up Dre Archer because he had like a ninety-seven speed. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Trunk Candidate was another one. Remember that? He, he, I remember from my youth. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what it uh, reminded me of. It's like, oh man, on Madden, this guy's gonna have insane speed, and I'm gonna pick him up. There, there's no one in this draft that like I looked at as a top one hundred, top one hundred fifty pick that got that they picked in like the fifth round, which happened a couple times. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything like that. But like, uh, the, yeah, there's no one who I thought was that that, that good that ended up falling to him. Jalen Twyman's interesting because he was he was a he was a nice looking prospect and he didn't play last year. Um, part of that really good pit defensive line, and they took him uh, as I read here, 199th overall. So he, he's an interesting pick. Davidson, you know, Central Missouri, so we don't know. Um, I, I, again, more I know some people who liked him, but. We just he got picked in the fifth round. So like you like like So you're you're an X's and O's guy and uh you do some of the the best breakdowns of plays of anyone that I've seen. So here's what I need from you before you leave. Because I gave this a shot myself and I don't know how good of a job I did. So Davidson was a punter slash tight end. I want you to, off the top of your head, design me a play that <laughs> utilizes punting and tight end play. Before you leave, you have to do Okay, that. well, this happened one time in my, when I was playing high school. This is off the top of my head, but it happened when I was playing high school football where our punter was our tight end, just like this. And without telling anybody, he just he caught the snap, and he just ran for a first down. He didn't tell anybody, <laughs> and he ran for a first down. So shout out to Ben. Um, shout out to Ben Dusso, who plays on my flag football team now. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. Like, I, that's the that's the closest I can figure out right away is that he can probably run some sort of nice fake punts, right? You can <laughs> really get crazy and do a third is like third and twelve, and you run like an end around to him, and then he punts it. Like, I guess you could do that. But besides that, I think uh, I think there's going to be a split there. Uh, I'll, I'll say next year. 
I don't know if this kid's going to get drafted, but next year, the kid out of Buffalo, the Buffalo Bulls, uh, the quarterback's name is Kyle Vantrese, and he punted for them before he became the starting quarterback mm. like midway through 2019, I believe. So shout out to more um, positional, uh, versatile players out there. In the uh, I'm just envisioning this like, uh, <laughs> you know, you're it's, it's third down and 27. You've had like some terrible penalties or whatever, and you're backed up and you just decide we're going to punt now. He, he comes in motion, comes back. Kirk flips it back to him and he punts <laughs> all <laughs> To gain to, to to net like uh, thirteen yards. Yeah, each. right. Yeah, to net like twenty six yards. Yeah. Randall Cunningham did it once, and it went like ninety yards. Ninety so, yards. Yeah. There you go. So, Seth, this was super fun. We always have a great time when we get together, and I really appreciate your uh, terrific insight and takes and drawn up tight end slash punter play. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's a great, be my new thing, yeah. yeah, that's right. If, if I don't see a full article about this at PFF.com, I'm going to be upset. So thanks for your time, dude. No, thank you. This is always, always a fun time. I appreciate it.